Hi, everybody. Welcome to the live edition of the Fraud Boxer podcast. Um, hopefully, some of you have listened to me in the past at some point, but I have a every two weeks show that I talk about fraud and payments. Uh, Bridget was most recently a guest on, my, I think, my latest episode. And while we were doing that, we discussed uh, having a live version of that done here at Payments Ed while we're here. So here we are, doing it live for the very first time. A uh, little nervous, not going to lie. A little sweaty up here, you know. The light's really bright, so I can't see. I'm assuming it's a packed audience. But how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me back on, on the Fraud Boxer. Yeah, see? Um, I like to have repeat guests that I trust. Oh. And I had been trying to get you for a very, very, very long time on my show, but mm. you couldn't. Yes. And then as soon as you decided to change, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I immediately, I think I sent you an email before even congratulating you on your new role. I, I was like, I you come on my started. show. Yeah. Yes, before so, I even started. So let's talk, for the people that don't know you, let's talk a little bit about who you are and where you came from. So where was that company and who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bridget Corney. Um, I, I don't know where to begin. Um, currently at Audion, um, I am the global head of fraud prevention and risk. But prior to that, in a previous life, I spent about 13 years at Groupon running their payment and fraud operations. Yeah. So I have switched to the dark side, as I like to say. Um, but it's, it's not so dark. It's wonderful. Yeah, so. and now you get a corporate card, you get to buy me drinks, yeah. which is the way it should be in this world. Oh, yeah. So you, 13 years is a very long time to stay at any company. Um, in the modern age. I switch companies like mm -hmm. I like change out my glasses of water. Um, in those 13 years, the world changed a lot. So what are some of the things that happened at Groupon? So for people that don't know Groupon, it was like that big trend um, for a while there where you could like buy packages to like yoga or things like that at a discounted rate and you had to use them over X amount of time. Magazine subscriptions, I bought a star if we've talked about that, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but it was a daily deals site, was a, it was a very popular thing. And, we, and, we, and if anybody that would like to know more about like your time at Groupon specifically, you can listen to my other episode um, that had it. But what are some of the things that you did at Groupon that you saw change that you were like super proud of, like with some big milestones? So I, I don't know necessarily if they're milestones, but when I reflect on the time that I spent there, um, I think I'm most proud about two different things. Um, one, how we were flexible and adaptable from a fraud and payments perspective as the business model shifted yeah. and grew and changed. Um, we were always there to to right the ship and, and be there to support the business. I think that was a really great lesson. Um, I think the other one that comes to mind is I reflect on my team. And I know in our last podcast, we talked a lot about leadership mm -hmm. um, and some of our philosophies on that. But it really is the top of my mind was being able to promote people that worked on my team, yeah. uh, watching them grow and develop seeing them get up on stage and do panels, like that was yeah. one of the most rewarding parts. It's almost like your kids, but obviously not. Um, so it's, it, that was really wonderful. I do, um, I do have a day job. Fraud Boxer is not my only thing. I work for yeah. a company called iHerb. And I, the same thing with like the leadership is I have some of my staff now like I do monthly meetings, like any, anybody like the exec team can come to my meetings. I just do a recap of what the fraud and payments piece of my, of my world was over the last month. Like what our false positive rates were, all those sorts of things. Mm. But my staff behind me, 
Steve is, is like my right-hand guy there. He is now leading those. Like, so he's taking the next yeah. step. So he's the one that's driving those meetings now. And it's great to watch him where he came in from being a little shy, quiet person to having this, this personality, this idea, this confidence to him. It's really fun to see him, to see him do that. To grow, yeah, for yeah. sure. So you, did, you left after 13 years, yeah. and you went to Adian, Adian, however we say that these days. It changes, it's fluid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you, you and I, on the last episode, we talked about the reason that you chose Mm. chose them specifically. And do you want to give the, everybody a, a nice recap? Because they're here to hear you, not me. Sure. Um, I, when I was thinking about leaving, um, it's a really difficult decision to transition out of somewhere that you feel very comfortable. You've, you've built your team. This is your, this is your baby, right? Um, this is your platform. You know it inside and out. Um, I really also wanted to recreate, I think, some of the Groupon culture that mm -hmm. we had maybe in some of the earlier days. And so I really looked for that in a new employer. Um, and in every single one of, like, we, I kind of look back on that, on the interview process. And um, one of the funniest things is that, like, we talked about risk and fraud, of course, but we mostly talked about the culture fit and how I would maybe adapt into the audience culture. And it's, very, it's a very unique place. Um, I won't like sit here and just give everybody a, a spiel on that. You can go and the, yeah. we, we're very transparent yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, go, yeah, you can go look up the, the audience formula. Um, but I really felt like it was not just uh, yeah. somebody saying it. It was really, they were living it, and, and that made a big difference for And me. you seem to have, like, be very comfortable already in your transition. You've been there, what, about eight weeks now? Something like yes, that? Pretty we are fresh, at, Yeah, June 1st I started, yeah. so by the time this comes out, maybe I'll be at 10 weeks. You see, there we go. Every time, we'll just keep chipping a little more <laughs> yeah. away at it every time I have you on. Yeah. So you're the global head of risk uh, and fraud prevention, right, over yeah. at... At Adian now. So, what does that mean for you? What do you specifically do? What does your teams do? Like, what does that mean? So, I like to think of my team as kind of the in house um, fraud operations team that you would have if you were at a merchant. Okay. So, all the things that you're doing, we're doing for our customers, um, for all of the merchants that process and use some of our products. Um, we're monitoring those KPIs, we're sharing data, we're building rules. Um, we're just doing it for a lot more Got people, it. not just, not just iHerb, so yeah. Yeah, and you guys have some of your own risk tools, like you have, what's it, what's it Revenue Protect is, is the main tool, right? Yeah. And there's like a Revenue Protect Premium, I think that's like yeah. the paid service. Because I use some features of it, like we have our own, our own fraud tool, we use Riskified as our main frontline fraud defense. Uh, but we use some of the features of the, of the included revenue protect in our, in our Adia and like um, the Dynamic 3D Secure. Like I just talked about it in the last panel that I was on just in the room next door right before this, but like the, the, we use 3D Secure in a very strategic fashion. So not, it's not a blanket, not every country, just certain countries, certain bins, but the Adian backend is pretty, pretty useful for that. It's pretty quick. So, yeah. Yeah, I think if you want to hear more about like I'm not in the commercial side, obviously, but if you want to hear more about Revenue Protect, I will plug Valentine, who's here from my, my, my team, who's the head of uh, America for, for Risk, and he will be talking about it tomorrow. And so if you're here, I know the podcasters won't hear that, but maybe yeah, we can you know, that maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll leave it all in. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, you, when in preparing for this, you had um, put up a couple of some numbers from the Adian study that you guys did. And I found some pretty interesting things in that that I added to this. Uh, it's the yellow part. Uh, <laughs> but um, really interesting is it says more than a third of all consumers will fall victim to payments fraud, losing an average of $273.60. A third of all consumers. One, like, that's nuts. That's a huge amount. And then this is where I got, I think it's super interesting. It says, while fraud rates remain high for people that would prefer to pay with digital currencies, such as Bitcoin, 68% of people that are, have bought like a Bitcoin or some sort of cryptocurrency have been involved in some sort of fraud at some, at some point. Uh, and they, uh, their average loss is $341.80. And that's what they get for buying NFTs. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, He's been waiting to say that, I think. I know, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's in bold. It is. So. It is. But this is where I, I, I think it's really crazy. We'll talk more about what yeah. Adian's doing in the risk space. But 53% of retailers say fraudulent transactions and chargebacks are a significant cost of their business. But only 27% of retailers say that they are investing in fraud prevention and risk management systems in 2023. So... I just, that, just, that just blows my mind. It's like, everybody, like the majority of them say it's a problem, but they're not making any investments. Yeah. And do you, what, do you have any idea why? I think we, I've been hearing a lot of that in, in kind of merchant conversations. Um, I, and when I was a merchant, that was a problem that we were experiencing. As, it's always seen as a loss. Like, why, like right. we're, we're a cost center, right. you know? It's, like, it's a constant battle as a merchant um, and even like explaining to merchants that Fraud prevention doesn't have to just be stopping transactions, holding orders. It doesn't have to just be that part of it. If anything, I would highlight the other side of it, that like, how do we optimize and, and increase revenue? Um, all of those triangular, you know, that's nothing yeah. new, the triangle of how uh, risk teams operate, right? The operational costs versus fraud loss versus increased revenue yeah. opportunity. and. One of the things like that I do that, that's I think was super helpful. Like we just I just finished. I did an H1 comparison of uh, this year to H1 last year because we switched to fraud tools in October of last year. Okay. And so we were using threat metrics before. Our review rate was pretty high before I joined. It was about 10% manual review rate, which is bonkers. Uh, we got it down to about 3% using some of the the machine learning models that threat metrics had at the time. But when I was doing the comparison, how I looked at it was I took the, the automatically approved orders that we get now mm -hmm. versus what it was before when they were being held. And you know, granted, some, the vast majority of those were, were approved, but I was able to fix an actual dollar amount to that that shows like what our, our lift was because of, of now products right. are going through that we, wouldn't, that we would have held or had some sort of friction at some point yeah. on it. And we're trying to get, I think, a lot more strategic on how we do friction as a whole. So um, a great example is we use uh, Perimeter X Human for our, our out, out bot mitigation on the site. Okay. So a lot of it, it's like you gotta hold your finger on the app and all that to like prove the you're biometrics. a real person. Yeah, and, and that's that's great, you know, at, like at doing that, but we are starting to look at those sorts of interactions and friction as a false positive. And think, how can we authenticate these users without having them put their finger on? Yeah. Like, what, what can we do around that? So that's where I think is like the automation stuff is like, such a huge thing is like when you start looking at it through the lens of even though like it, it's some sort of friction something but that should technically be a fail right yeah at yeah. the end of the day well i think you know on the authentication side i think that's a really we're a kind of at an interesting point in that topic um how we use authentication within fraud prevention i think is shifting yeah. I think people and and risk teams are starting to really utilize it as an opportunity to like we've been saying, pick up that revenue rather than... Um, 
Yeah, I think like the authentication piece is actually super interesting. This is, we're going off script pretty hard here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the authentication piece is, is super interesting because, so this is something that I've been, I've been trying to think about for a while is like there's a company called Intersect that like works pretty closely with MasterCard and they do like these like identity token type things. Mm -hmm. But like it's like they, they it's kind of like how we think of like credit card tokens as a thing, but they do it with like your identity. And I think that's super interesting. If there was a way that we could share like anytime you were transacting on my site and you showed that token, yeah. I know it's authentically you. But right. the only way that you could do that is you'd have to bind it with some sort of biometric authentication, which is pretty heavy at the beginning. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of buy-in or consumer adoption around that unless there's some a liability shift comes along with it. I don't even think just the liability shift. I think that's a part of it, but also um, the education of consumers on how risk is going to affect them, right? Like those, some of those metrics that we were just saying, like until it happens to a consumer, yeah. they're you know, invincible. Um, I think that's where that education piece comes in. Yeah, that's, it's funny because when I did my predictions on my podcast uh, for this, this year, uh, education was, was, gonna, was like number two on my whole thing. You know, it was like yeah. it's education around everything. Uh, I think the same thing, like it's, it's the social engineering, which is like right. you, you just had the session you want to talk about. Social engineering is still the weakest link, you know, and like educating people like why they can't click on that, why they can't, right. really, why 2FA is necessary in certain situations. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah we, were, we were just having a call uh, with a merchant about how things were going, right? And a specific fraud trend came up that has been around forever. We were just talking about this. Um, but a fake website comes mm -hmm. up and it looks exactly like that merchant and the customer doesn't know any better and they write in their credentials and immediately write there's ATO then. Um, how, yeah. how quickly you spot that, how, you know, is, is kind of hard and I think I, I think a lot of these fraud trends are cyclical, right? Yeah. We're, we, we probably talked a lot about ATO five years ago, and now we're talking yeah. about it again. That's funny, because I, I said the same thing at, the, at MRC when I was doing it. It was like, everybody took their foot off the gas on yeah. ATOs, and then it came back with like a vengeance. And it's like, it's worse than ever right now. Right. And like, there's nothing you can really do to just <laughs> try and whack-a-mole that. I think it's... Um, yeah, like you could just go on. But the social engineering piece, like it's, you were just mentioning the fake website. Literally, while we were prepping to get mic'd up to come up here, my own company said, hey, there's a fake iHerb site going around. Does anybody know about this? And we, um, we do a lot of rewards. So, like, you can, if you, I could give you my rewards code, you buy, and then I get points. And we are unique where we allow you to pay, get cash. Like, yeah. you can cash out those rewards, like real money. I think we're giving but, you know, away, yeah, but like, we're giving yeah. tips to fraudsters right now. Do you think they listen to your podcast? 100%. I hope they do, and I hope they buy my merch, too. Hi, fraudsters, yeah. <laughs> but the, at the same time, it's like their consumers go to these other sites, like this, this specific site's in, in Vietnam, yeah. and he's trying to churn these rewards points, or they, or they take uh, Google ads out that mm -hmm. link to their fake site, and they're yeah. trying to get people on. Like, I heard 20% off. Boom, they click on that, but it goes to this random guy site, and he's either trying to churn yeah. or he's trying to steal information. Yeah. It's just the, the weakest link is still always the social engineering. I even see it like in, I'll get an email that looks like a Google um, oh, all the like, time. Like activity like check-in, right? Like, was this you? And it is, it's, a, it's, it's phishing, right? It's taking out the phishing. Um, you know, a lot of times it comes in in a, in a different language, which like is a red well, that's flag. where the fraud GPT's so maybe, coming yeah, in now to, GPT, to help people. Yeah. Uh, to do the natural language when they compose these fake emails to send out fraud yeah. GPT every day. 
So let's get back on track here, because that was fun. Yeah. But let's talk about what Adian's up to with risk. What are they doing at risk? Like, what's yeah. going on with that? So I think, you know, even being two months in, it's, it was a, a quickly apparent to me that, like, um, you know, Adian's value proposition is this whole, um, your glasses, are they lighting up? Yeah, I, I didn't gotta know. put this on the social media. Okay. This is a video glasses. Yeah. Now I'm distracted. Yeah. Um, the whole value chain, right? So like not just from, not just the actual like processing of the transaction, but the whole funnel, right? Yeah. Um, and that is an approach that we also take from a risk perspective. It's, we're focusing on not just how we're stopping that transaction or how we're looking at scoring that, yeah. that order. Um, we're looking at it in the whole value, in the whole, in the whole cycle, life cycle. So that I think is most important um, and you know, part of, a key part of our strategy. The, the big theme that I've been seeing across, you see it, you see people talk about it, it's like this customer journey, like yeah. getting people through the whole journey, seeing what they're up to and like getting, because like I even said it on the last panels, we used to focus so much on like when people click the checkout button. That's when we would start to watch what's going right, on. Right, of course. And yeah. then now we all, like, if we're not looking up further in the funnel, we're, we're missing out on a ton of data. What are people doing? Like, I think only 20% of people end up actually, that are on a site, end up actually buying something on that. So what are these other 80% of the people doing, you know? Yeah. And like I said, the last panel, probably, probably bots just scraping my data. <laughs> but, you know, it's a thing. But it's, you have to, there's so much more that you can do. And like this, this optimization it only comes through learning more about the whole customer journey okay. and what they're doing, where to go, how to do funnels, yeah. when to, to, to do revenue protect them. Right. You know? <laughs> well, I think um, the other side of that too is there's momentum post-pandemic from this surge, right, we saw mm. in, in e-commerce. And yep. like, that's still somewhat steady. Um, but it, it's still going strong, but like we can take advantage of that momentum that consumers understand and they know how things operate and, and more so than they did two years ago, yeah. three years ago, um, which I think is creating less friction than down the, ra down the road. I think like the, the, especially the move, that's the COVID thing super interesting because I think it so much went onto e-commerce yeah. that companies, even despite this saying only 27% invested it, but I think that like companies, the, the big companies that were real big e-commerce ones really did start focusing on their payments, on their fraud, how to get people in, how to get them through, how to lower friction. And like we have more tools than ever at our fingertips these days to, yeah. to, to enable these sorts of things, to, to look at the session, moving some of the fraud tools to the CDN level so where they're, they're, they can see the whole entire funnel of all the traffic, all these things that are coming out of that, we're seeing the technology get better. And I think if, we, if you really have those people now that can really focus in on like, like I'm saying, like with our little put your finger on the thing, that's a, that's a false positive to us. Like, so now we have a whole team that's trying to figure out how we can separate that traffic out, get these good people out of there. Like one of the things, the first thing I ever did when I started at iHerb, I was like cr crazy that we're, we're doing 10% manual review, which is bonkers at the time. I'm like, but of what's in this, this manual review bucket, how many are we approving? Yeah. Are we approving 50%? Or 90%, it was, percent, 90. Yeah. it was 90, it was 90% of these things. I'm like, so why are these things even winding up in there? And right. like all of these optimization things that are coming out of that, I think is, is really, we're gonna get to a good place, hopefully. Well, I think also from that metric, like we've just gotten better on a whole as an industry at put what investment, we're smarter on the investment part. Yeah. I think we aren't just like, I think maybe five years ago, we just threw everything at it and said, how are we going to stop fraud, right? Like, yeah. this is this. It's like, I need IDV. Okay, yeah. go buy that one. Right, you know? like, I need go three, get yes, this one. Yeah, Paul Cardinal. Yeah, yeah, go get all of them. Um, I think that plays into that metric that 
maybe we, we still see it as a problem, of course, but we are investing smarter, so maybe that's playing yeah. into the 27%. I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, uh, I think a lot of stuff could be done. I mean, just because, I guess, you know, if, if you look at it, I don't know, because I didn't do the study, it's your guys' study, but <laughs> maybe like the 27%, like, maybe the other ones are doing stuff in-house with their own tools right. or something. Because you know? I can do a lot with my dev teams. Like we have, of course. we can do a crazy amount of rules ourselves, you know, if we really want well, to. Well, and you know your data better than anybody, hope right? So. Like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, not every merchant knows their data, but um, I think that that's where your partners can also help, of course. But um, yeah. how you fit your strategy is, has to be based on how a merchant's business is operating. Yeah, because you could sit there and you could block every transaction. Like that's a joke we always say, you know, but like at the same time, like I think, you know, that's a great point of we did throw everything at it, but like at some sites, like if I'm trying to buy a t-shirt, I don't think I need to have IDV where I hold up my credit card and, or my, or my ID, you know, not. like this, you have to understand what's necessary right. for your particular yep. consumer, you know, like if I'm doing money transfer, that's a different sort of thing, you know, but yeah. I think, yeah, knowing your business, knowing your data, those are key parts. So do you want to talk about revenue protect a little more, or should we just go on to the trends? Let's just go on to the trends. Okay, we'll go on to the trends. What are the, the trends that you're seeing in your industry right now? Well, I think we hit on the big one, the uh, spoofing and yep. social engineering. That's one that I've heard come up a couple of times recently in the past week. Um, and then the other one is card testing. Yep. Um, we got hit hard with card testing a yeah, couple months ago. Yeah. yeah, I think that is a constant. Um, I certainly... And you know, not living it as much as you know, Valentine and team, and the rest of the guys. Uh, but every, you know, if I went out and asked, tell me what a merchant's saying, that is the number one thing that we're hearing is card testing, card testing, and you know, how are we stopping that? Yeah, for us, it, it, we had tried to launch a new checkout, like a guest checkout. We're trying to optimize, get yep. people through the flow faster, and making it, it easier just, than for it, card testing. And they just decided that it would be easier to quicker to dev it without putting the fraud rules in. So okay. that's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> we could talk about that. Yeah, yeah getting by. But we fixed it. We're back. Yeah. We're good. We're good now. Um, and then refund fraud, I think, is still a big trend that's happening. I think everybody's experiencing that. I think it's it's out in the world a little more. I think um, some of the companies that are trying to slow down by doing, you know, charging for refunds, but there's still professional refunders out there. Of course. That are still trying to do that. Um, and still, gonna, we're going to have uh, retailers that want to allow a refund, right? They care more. They see more value in the consumer experience than they do. So that's kind of where we are. So we just did this big study on ours. We were, we were, like, our refund rate is really low. Like, I won't say the number, but it's really low. And I was like, well, maybe we could optimize and automate that a little bit. So I worked you, with our customer service team. Sorry. Yeah. Is, do you think your refund rate is really low because of your policy? Or do you think it's because... Well, we're super liberal with our policy. Okay. okay. So this is the thing. Is like we, so we brought these guys in. I think it's people that you know, waited two weeks to get their package in, yeah. in Africa, probably aren't going to be sending it back, you right. know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But people do have a pretty high uh, consumer satisfaction with on our site. Okay. Um, we sell good products. We curate our products that we sell pretty well. So only the ones that have like real big value are we continuing to sell. Uh, we don't sell weed. So anybody that doesn't know, I heard we health and wellness products, 188 <laughs> countries, not weed. Uh, but you we, want to direct them to where they can go? Yeah, that go to iHerb.com. <laughs> um, CBD coming maybe someday, okay. hopefully, but you'll see. Uh, but um, it's just like, I just think that people just don't need to refund. So we did this huge project where we were like, maybe we can automate some of these refunds. And the company was like, we're going to reject more than you are. Mm. Like, and we're like, we're like, so we're rejecting like half, you know? So like, we're like, we'll just kind of leave it, you know? No cost wasn't really there. It's easier for us to manage it. But people just don't, we don't get frauded a lot and we don't get refunds a lot. Well, like, it's, you must, it's crazy. Yeah. Why you, do you think I'm you, doing a podcast? I, was I got plenty say. of time every day. <laughs> <laughs> I want Jordan's life. 
Uh, and then the other one I think you'll see, because well, I got the list here, we'll, we'll keep cranking along, is the Fraud yeah. GPT. Everybody's been hearing about it, been yep. seeing it on there, writing those natural language things on there. That's um, just going to continue. Yeah, yeah, I think like that, those, those things, like I, I just sit on chat GPT sometimes. I'm like, what can I make it do? Like, what else could I have it do? Right, think like I had that. it write a business plan for me one time, and then I was like, I probably shouldn't take this and submit it to like a VC, because they'll probably be like, did you just write this in Fraud GPT or, <laughs> or chat GPT? I'm like, yes, I did. Um, okay, what about, what about, what another one for you? Another one for me. I think there is, um, I think we're still seeing account takeover. We talked, mm -hmm. we kind of hit on that. Um, I think about it also from like the industry content that goes out. Um, what are we kind of focusing on as, as an, because yeah. that is, you know, it's representative. It's the educational piece, Right, too. it's representative of what merchants are saying. You know, you hope it's representative. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about also what's, been talked about here at Payments Ed, right? Um, how I'm like looking at the agenda yeah. here, <laughs> fraud trends. Uh, where to find them? Where to find them? So four o'clock, <laughs> come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I still think like the faster payment stuff is is so, oh, super yeah. interesting. That's the that's okay. the last one on the list there. And you guys are pretty quick to adopt faster payments. Yeah. I wish uh, yeah. Like American Express would faster payments to I mean, my, pay my bill. I'd be on it. Yeah, I think what FedNow was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, we had a public announcement about that that we you know. I think like once they, they get the liability shift sorted out on that kind of stuff too, it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see where that lands. Like who's I think they keep talking There's about 50-50 to... shared liability yeah. on the. I, I look to Valentine because <laughs> I know he, it's it's kind of very top of mind for us. How are we looking at risk for for faster payments? Yeah. Well, while we wrap up, anything else? Anything else? Hmm. You're going to Taylor Swift tomorrow, I am. so I I'm feel going like to you Swift. have to give us a Taylor Swift rendition. Got my, in the... uh, my bracelets are going to be manufactured for me when I get Do home. Do you have a, like a glitter outfit ready for of it? Of course. Okay. Yes, I'm wearing a onesie and everything. Oh my God. I paint my eye, doing the whole thing. Do you think that you're going to find a lot of like your spirit animals there? Maybe. I know I'm going to cry though. Oh, that's so sweet. No, I'm, I did see, like I was talking about before in the prep for this, I did see her play in 2008 at Taylor Guitars and a little tiny private show. So it's gonna be weird going, last time I saw her, she was a room less than 100 people, and now she's gonna be at 90,000 people at SoFi Stadium. So. Yeah. Thank you, Adobe, for your generos generosity of giving me uh, <laughs> tickets to Stanislav. <laughs> We've done a lot of plugging this podcast. Yeah, we have. Well, um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bridget, for, for doing this live. This was super fun um, and super nerve-wracking. So thank you to you folks that showed up and did this. I really appreciate it. Uh, shirts up here too if anybody wants to have Adam stickers. <laughs> <laughs>